Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 144 of the MMA Geek Sea Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the Sean Strickland Game Plan to My Middleweight Title Aspirations, Nicholas John Braccia. Nick, it's good to be on with you. It's good to discuss. The third. The, the oh, you sure? You sure you want to be talking to an idiot? As I was, as I was called in the in the Apple Podcast reviews, Stan's pretty good, but the other guy is an idiot. I actually think he said I give out informative information, Nick. Not just pretty good, but my information, Nick. It is motherfucking informative. And can I just I think say? He said sometimes. I think he said sometimes, and then he called whoa, me. An idiot. Whoa, whoa, what's the sometimes you're slipping in there? You're trying to ruin my side of the review, which was no. Glowing. Yours was, yours was Nick. Yours was I, positive. Like we, we, we're each supposed to earn as co-hosts of the show. We're each supposed to earn two and a half stars, Nick. Um, per review, right? <laughs> Ideally, each of us earning uh, a combination of five stars. And Nick, I earned my three stars and you couldn't get a single one. <laughs> no, I was an idiot. Yeah, I was, said, I, said I was an idiot. Nick, um, I, I appreciate that we've elicited that level of passion in that, in that individual. And I appreciate the review. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, those of our listeners... Tell him where your gym is because what's this guy? The guy's name is like Mark Fallen or something. I will go, I will cut weight, whatever he is. What if he's probably, a what if he's, he's a probably, heavyweight Nick chiseled like yeah, six probably, five no, probably, bricked yeah, no, up? No. Sure, he's three ten. What, what if he makes the Rock look like just another human being? Three ten, meatball hero in each hand. <laughs> you've got quite a vision for this. So you've seen me you've seen me tap round belts at punch <laughs> back in the day. Uh, the, nobody wanted nobody wanted to roll with me. <laughs> no, Nick, I, I'm sure you have plenty plenty of friends. But but Nick, I, again, I have to reiterate this. Leave us a review, folks, especially if you really, really like us. Now, if you're kind of lukewarm, if you like one of us more than the other, maybe make, skip the review unless that still earns us at least four stars. No, it's fine. It, I mean, listen, listen, my my book, my Sopranos book, had 200 reviews on Amazon 200 today, reviews. and 173 of them are five-star. It's unbelievable, man. And, and 17 of them are four-star, and then 10 of them... Are, are either one, two, or three stars. And I'm sure all 10 of those were from the same guy that hated me. Nick, I'm not going to lie to you. It was me. <laughs> it was me, Nick. All 10 of those reviews. Oh, no, all, all 10 of them. Yeah. All 10 nice of them. One. I wrote well, them up. Let's just get, why don't, let's get to our, co- our cogent analysis. I don't want to get in the way. I want all of your... <laughs> All of your brain cells to enlighten our... Nick, do you know how bad this is uh, for my ego, from your perspective, at least? Oh, yeah. It's terrible for you. Uh, Nikolai, we're going to break down UFC fight night. Rafael Dos Anjos versus... Wow, Rafael Fiziev. There are two Rafaels, Nikolai. It's the battle, are there, are battle they, of the Rafaels. I just realized. It's not two Rafaels? Why wouldn't it be Rafaels? That's, that's fair. It's not two Rafaels. It's a Rafael and a Rafael. But uh, I feel like in, in the Americas, as Dos Anjos has been living here, no, he's moved back to Brazil. Definitely Rafael. No questions asked. Nikolai, uh, an interesting fight card. I, I would say better than some of the worst offerings that we've had earlier in the year. Not maybe quite as good as the last couple of cards. It's it's got fights for morons like us. It's like we're like, ooh, Michael Johnson, Jamie Malarkey. I'm curious to see what happens. Nikolai, there's like 11 I'm people. All about, who are, <laughs> I'm all about that. I'm excited, Malarkey, but, but it's an interesting. I'm excited match. for that fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, same here, brother. There, but I, I guess we got to get into UFC 276. I know we waited like five days, six days after the event now, but I, I would imagine that some of our listeners might be interested in hearing what we think. Nikolai, what did you make? of the main event in which Alexander Volkanovsky absolutely motherfucking shellacked Max Holloway, Nick. He just, he showed him that there are levels to this game and what we previously thought was top level, Nick, is not even close. Well, I properly predicted this outcome and you did not. 
Well, um, I, I actually said that I'm picking Volkanovski as far as just who's going to win, but yeah. I thought there was value on Max Holloway, and man, I, I, I didn't just, look like it. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think that Max over his career has shown enough adjustment. I thought he looked a little slow against against Yair. Um, he did look amazing in that Calvin Cater fight, but he was fighting against a fairly one-dimensional guy, and like Volkanovski is a he is a he's a brick shit house run by a supercomputer. Yeah. Like he's man, he is tough. He has this grit and determination, and he makes adjustments and is so good at getting inside despite his breach disadvantage. Um, he's just a, he's a, he has it all. He's a he's a master tactician who can do damage, who can threaten you know who can threaten you anywhere, um, and has inc- has incredible um, self belief and uh, uh, composure and grit. So like yes, those are all the cliches, but he's a he's a, he's a tough dude to beat. Not unbeatable. It's gonna happen, but he's real tough. He really is. He, he's something special. He's got every element of mixed martial arts that you could possibly want. He's got the striking. It is absolutely brilliant. And speaking of best boxer in the UFC, some have said it was Calvin Cater until Max Holloway completely outboxed him and made him look like an amateur. Now we have Volkanovski, who completely outboxed Max Holloway. He was yelling and claiming to be the best boxer in the UFC as he was beating up uh, Calvin Cater. And you're right that Max Holloway looked slow against Yair Rodriguez. He looked slow in this matchup against Volkanovski, but... It's because these two guys are extremely fast, both of these guys. Um, and obviously Volkanovski's got every element, like I was saying. He's got brilliant strategy, like you were saying, he's a supercomputer. He really is, he's incredibly durable. He's got a great fucking chin. Um, he refuses to give in no matter what, no matter how dire of a situation he's in. And it's rare that we find him in that situation. So it's pretty impressive that he has that worked out and developed. Um, he's a shorter man, but he's got decent reach. He's got longer reach than Max Holloway, who granted is kind of a little T-Rex arm for 5'11", but he is absolutely brilliant. And I, I've said this a couple of fights ago. Volkanovski is the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. I'm glad that the rest of the MMA world is starting to catch on to that idea now, but it's been true for a long fucking time. This guy is truly, truly special. And I really do hope that he gets to go up to 155 pounds and challenge for that belt. I would love to see him match up, honestly. I'd be intrigued by other matchup, uh, the, the, uh, whether it be Charles Oliveira or Islam Makhachev. But... I'm hoping it's Charles Oliveira. I'm hoping that if anybody dethrones Oliveira, it's him. And if not, then Oliveira's going to fucking do his thing. But it's going to be a perfect, just fun to watch uh, fight full of just... I mean, it's going to be so much, so dramatic, man. I can't wait for that. Yeah, that's what's next. I mean, there's no shortage of dudes at Featherweight. Well, you say there's no shortage, but he's kind of like, who does he really have to fight? There's only one guy that recently got a win, but like, who? what's this no shortage? Like, he's... He's far and away the best. A, there's nobody that's close to him. Oh, he is, but there's a, st- there's, a, there's a stack division of interesting contenders. But if he's looking for he's – earned, he's earned the right to go do something else. Like, no doubt. No doubt about but it. But I don't think it's I don't think it's quite like the Anderson Silva or GSP, like, clearing out the division for periods of time where you've got to squint to see somebody who would even have an interesting fight. Well, I, I will say this. You're making a good point in that there are some guys in the come-up who are uh, who are getting into that range of being eligible to, to challenge for a title. I hope they get the opportunity to – to kind of work their way up properly. And I hope for that reason that maybe Volkanovski does hang out at 155 for a little bit, right? So Max Holloway, he's beaten multiple times. Brian Ortega, he beat Josh Emmett as number four. And and I mean, we both know he's two levels below Volkanovski, maybe three. He's a good fighter. I think Josh, I think Josh Emmett would probably, yeah, lose to Volkanovski. 
I think Arnold Allen's interesting, but we haven't we just haven't seen him really against an, an elite guy yet. He's somehow he's number five, and his best victory is Dan Hooker. Yeah, like and, and Sadiq Yusuf on the come up is is still pretty impressive. But I agree, he hasn't truly fought the best. But the best have got to be willing to fight these guys: the Mofsar Evlovs, the Arnold Allens, right? The 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 Bryce Mitchells. Like these guys have got to make their way up. And to be fair, it's better for them to do it slowly. But those top guys don't really want to face him because it's a lot of risk and not much reward. Why would Ortega want to fight one of those guys? I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he's been offered it and I'm sure they're being a little bit more selective because they don't want him to be relegated to that forever contender status. And now, like, second well, if, to the if second. Or, yeah, if Ortega loses to Aaron Rodriguez, then I do Bryce Mitchell, Brian Ortega, and we get, like, a, a real legit, legit Jits battle. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think Mofsar Evlov is a real, real example of, of a potential contender, but his game is not, I don't think, I don't know that it's put together enough. We've seen him tired in a, in a third round. I'm, uh, he's got five round experience. I don't one. worry. I don't, I don't, wor- I don't worry about Mofsar Evlov beating Volkanovsky. Uh, dude, like give him, give him another two years of development. Volkanovsky's two years older. It is certainly not yeah. out of the realm of possibility. Uh, but besides that, we've got, you know, a little bit, a little bit of a uh, humdinger if that is the right term, Nick, between Israel Adesanya and Jared Cannonier. Not a whole lot of fun to watch. Israel seemed to throw his jab and leg kicks with slightly more ferocity, but there wasn't a whole lot to it, man. What were your thoughts on this one? It wasn't a, wasn't a great, exciting fight. No, it was not. Um, it, it, was more ex- yeah. it was more exciting watching uh, you know, Chris Pratt afterwards. Yeah, Chris Pratt's comments were, were, were interesting enough, and that made some news. But that's the thing is that Israel Adesanya, like, he needs you to make big mistakes for him to really finish you, and it's okay not to finish. Like, it's okay for him not to be a finisher. Um, and, and he's not unless guys are being really aggressive. I think in his in his uh, UFC fights, I think he's got three finishes, if I'm not mistaken, and a handful, I think nine decisions. So, like, he tends to go to the scorecards more often than not. I might be slightly off on, on each of those numbers by one or so. He, he, you know, he tends to be careful until an opportunity is just very clearly presented to him or if an opponent just runs into his offense. And, you know, Cannoneer was too cautious to do that. I think the argument could maybe be made that he won one of those rounds, maybe the fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. He comes on strong late. I'll give him props. But, you know, he, he was mystified by Adesanya is what it looked like. Adesanya is a faster man. We spoke about this, the much taller man. Um, and, and he used all of that to stay as safe as he possibly could, keep him at the end of his jab and, and drop those heavy low kicks. On the occasion that he did have him up against the fence, Cannonier, then he, you know, he was able to score a little bit. If he could keep that consistent, that forward pressure game, he had a good shot. We've seen that forward pressure work with Robert Whitaker. We've seen it work with um, with uh, who's the former 170 pounder Gastelum, right? We've seen people have success against them with the right kind of pressure. And by the way, else, by the way, speaking of pressure, uh, how about how about a, uh, Alex Pereira? That guy has the right kind of pressure, man. That could be. That's probably going to be the next and matchup, right? By all means, and the, of course, and he hurts people. He really does, man. Um, just quickly, uh, I want to talk about this fight, and we don't have to touch on much else. Um, Alex Pereira was setting up that left hook the entire fight. It's his power punch. It's what he's gotten so many knockouts with, including against Israel Adesanya in the rematch in Glory. And the way that he set it up was by consistently throwing jabs. Right, uh, his jabs are the main weapon for the most part. He only threw one hook prior to the knockout hook, and those jabs went either to the head. Occasionally went to the stomach, but they but they would penetrate the chest, Nick, and he would kind of drop level slightly as he dropped that jab onto the chest. And almost every job, uh, every jab, Perry, uh, excuse me, uh, Sean Strickland was pairing it with his right hand. And as you, the moment you're pairing with your right hand right in front of your face, as you kind of try to deflect your opponent's jab, right, your right hand goes in front of your face, which means the right side of your head is open for that moment, and that's a great opportunity to hook. 
And if you're doing that parry right, you are you, you are flicking it ever so slightly in front of you and then bringing it back quickly. And you're also ready for the counter left hook. You want to duck under it, uh, much like you would after you throw a right cross. Uh, and he didn't do that, man. He expected it to be a jab because Pereira lowered his levels the way that he did for those uh, jabs to the chest. And that time, it wasn't going to be a jab. He used that lowering of the level to, to, to essentially spring off of his legs and generate real power as he kind of lunged forward with that hook. It was beautiful. Sean Strickland's an idiot. He, th- he thought he was winning the fight. Um, the entire fight was like the entire fight was a setup to him getting knocked out the way that he got knocked out. And I think he went on and said, like, I would do everything exactly the same. Um, went from saying, like, you know, I'm the baddest motherfucker to saying I'm not never going to be the best. Um, definitely hurt his confidence, man. That was this was a this was a drubbing and, and the kind of performance you want to have if you want to go into an Adesanya matchup to. Uh, well, and he's going to. And I think he's going to. And I think he's probably going to beat Adesanya. It's possible. But if you watch that second fight, Nick, Adesanya was in the lead. Granted, staying safe as he does. He was in the lead early in that fight. He, he had a speed advantage. He, I believe he has a reach advantage, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and he was able to pop him with that jab. He was able to use those very kind of basic fundamentals uh, to do well against him. He's got an 80-inch reach. I think Adesanya has got an 83-inch reach, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see. No, they, they both Adesanya, have 80-inch 80, 80 reach. Adesanya does not have the power he does, though. No, not at he all. Doesn't. Not at all. He doesn't. And in four-ounce four gloves. Yeah. And with the psychology of this guy's beaten him twice and KO'd him once. Yeah, I don't disagree with And Pehe gets to walk into the octagon not having to worry about wrestling. Well, yeah, I, I don't think it's, it, that's the thing is that people talk about Sean Strickland having a wrestling skill, uh, but not, but, you know, he might use it in this matchup. The problem is that, like, if you don't do it regularly in the octagon, if you don't compete using that technique, you're not going to be very comfortable throwing it. And so I agree yeah. with you. Even though Adesanya has better wrestling on paper, I do think Pereira. He's not going to. Yeah, he's not going to use it. Yeah, I spoke, like, I spoke last week about how Pereira is a 205 pound man who has almost no body fat. Therefore, he's he can compete at 185. He's a uh, giant, and it's all muscle, and it's dense, just just liquid fucking steel. He looks like he looks he looks more like a light heavyweight than Adesanya. Yeah, well, he's huge, dude. Like it's it's insane how large that man is. Where Sean Strickland, I think, is six two or six three, and he just. Like it felt to me like it was just, just monster in front of him, just towering over him. So yeah, look, uh, a, a lot of a lot of fun stuff on here. Barbara Lawler was exciting as hell. Uh, Jim Miller, Donald Cerrone was was fun to watch, and Donald Cerrone looked okay for a little bit. Uh, Ian Gary seems to be like you know more and more looking like he could be the real thing. Drake is new places, hits hard as fuck, and is relentless and refuses to get tired. Um, and I think that's oh. Julia Storolenko really came through for me with that first round armbar, Nikolai. Any quick words? Yeah, on well, we, you know, I was good, and you and I matched up. I mean, we both picked very well. Yes, for, you know, for once, we both uh, got almost everything correct. Yeah, you're right. I think we each of us had one wrong pick, uh, but I did pick uh, from that. Uh, I did pick from that Munoz O'Malley matchup, and and for that reason, I only get the half point since it was a no contest. If I uh, I believe it was a no contest, not, not a draw or anything like that. Uh, Nick, let's break down UFC Fight Net Dos Anjos versus Fazia. Uh, which one of us has the first pick this week? Do you happen to know that offhand? 143. Um, I think I do. You would say that. Uh, I think you do. You're right. Go for it, Nicola. And let me pull up a little best fight odds, a little real time from the idiot. I'm going <laughs> to. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go right away with the main event, and, uh, and because I think there's, I think there's good value here in two points for me. Listen, Rafael Fiziev's terrific striker, really good fighter. I don't think his, I don't think his, his wrestling and his grappling are bad, but a minus two hundred favorite against 
a man who's been able to out wrestle and out grapple most 155 pounders, even ones that come from a decent wrestling pedigree. Um, and who did, you know, the only guys like he really suffered against from a grappling perspective um, are, have been, I guess, Michael K. He, he lost a case, didn't he? He did. He got a grapple. Yeah. yeah, but he, but, um, but the, you know, at he 170, had he, had he had trouble being the smaller man against those grapplers. He had trouble being the smaller man against pressure, against pressure wrestlers. Yep. But I think, I don't think, I don't think Fiziev's wrestling defense and grappling prowess is going to be strong enough. I think RDA's go, I, I think RDA's, uh, he's, a, he's only, he was knocked out a couple of times early in his career and he got touched up by Alvarez when Alvarez was at his peak. And that's where RDA lost the title. But I think that our, I think that RDA is going to be able to dictate where a good amount of this five rounds goes. I think he sees this as, as his last push. And I think it's more likely that he controls and wins his fight positionally than uh, than Fiziev does enough damage. Uh, yeah. So it, I'm picking I'm picking RDA. Right. Like so, there's good reason. There's good reason to take advantage of the underdog situation here. My thing with uh, Rafael Fiziev is that he's really really strong in the first two rounds, and then in the third round when he's tired, he still brings it on strong. He's just like he's he's kind of pushing through being exhausted, which is a great sign for any fighter. The problem is that. How's he going to do in five rounds? And that's where you're coming in, right, with this opportunity. Dos Anjos, though, is I feel like he's a guy that relies on momentum, right? If he can establish early momentum, he will build on it and it, and it will eventually roller coaster and you are just overwhelmed, right? If you look at a lot of his wins, um, including Moicano, including Paul Felder, uh, Kevin Lee was yeah, probably a little bit more competitive, um, but a lot of these wins, Robbie Lawler, uh, Neil Magna, he just like blew out of there, Tarek Safadine, right? He, he starts to build momentum and, and builds upon that and, and builds upon that against Anthony Pettis. It was the same thing. How often does he come back? Covington. He looked really he he, looked, yeah, he, he had a good, good round against Covington. Possibly two. That's Late, fair. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and he won a couple of those rounds. The question is, can he do that prior to the fourth round against Faziev? Look, I, I think there's there's a good opportunity here. If Faziev I think was the he real can, thing. I, I think he can wrestle. I think he, I And do you think he can take him down successfully? Because Faziev gets taken think, down, but he yes. pops back up immediately. Can I think control? that RDA, I think he can. I think he can wrestle on the counter and that he can, and that he's going to be able to control position and maybe take his back. I just, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see grappler RDA give him fits. Yeah, I, I think that'll I be might, interesting. You're making a good point that Fazeev is very I might aggressive. be wrong. I might no, be wrong. You're, you're making some good points. Fazeev is usually very I'm wrong. I'm the, I'm the idiot. <laughs> this thing really, man, this guy got into your head, Nikolai. Good. Whoever you are, Mr. Listener, Mr. Listener, get, left us that review. Thank you, sir. You, you've put a fire under my friend here. He is motivated. He is he is pissed off, and you're in his head. Um, Nick, here's the thing. RDA is 37 years old, and, you know, for lightweight, that is about on the brink, right? So if there's any time for him to, use to lose to a young prospect, that's this. I think I'm going to favor Fiziev by a hair um, because I don't know that I can rely on RDA to come back after being really behind, after taking on a lot of damage, after being unsuccessful, after being discouraged. Um but I can absolutely see him taking over in the second half of the fight and, and really taking advantage of a tired, inexperienced Fiziev when it comes to at least the five-round world and kind of top seven or eight-level competition. So I totally get where you're coming from with this pick. My first pick is going to be in the David Onama-Garrett-Armfield matchup. This matchup already oh, yeah. happened a year... Uh, yeah, I gave you this one, man. I thought that was going to be my other first pick. I just decided to go for the two-pointer. I, I don't blame you, honestly. You should be taking advantage of those two-pointers. Um, I, I, I feel like David Onama... 
he's got a lot of talents. He took that short notice debut yeah. against Mason Jones, and he looked pretty good uh, in, in spurts at the very least. And it was a competitive fight. Gabriel Benitez, man, he took care of fucking business. He just threw like a, a bunch he... of punches and got him out of there. After being, after looking a little rough early, the thing with Garrett Armfield is that that was uh, uh, that was uh, Onama's last amateur fight was against Garrett, and he won a unanimous decision. In fact, it was both their last amateur bouts, right? So we saw Onama look a lot bigger. We saw him, really his power, his physicality was the big factor there, even though he was kind of raw. He's less raw now. And he was raw back then. He was getting touched up a little bit. Um, I don't expect that that'll happen to the same extent here. I, I expect that David Onama, you know, is a, is a good favorite for good reason. Maybe not as big a favorite as he is looking on, on the sports books right now, but uh, the guy, the guy's, uh, the guy's a really talented guy. And I like who he trains with in Glory MMA. Yeah, I, I feel that. Um, next up, I am going to go with um, checking the best fight odds on this one, too. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with little Nurmi say Nurmagomedov. Um, I don't think it's a cakewalk fight, but I'm gonna pick him over Douglas Silva to Andro. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. Uh, Douglas Silva tends to lose to taller, like really good strikers who are not gonna be overwhelmed by his physicality. He doesn't really have a range game, right? But if you play like if you're if you're in the pocket with him, he'll eventually tag you. He'll eventually catch you, right? If you give him that opportunity, if you don't have the experience or the or the will to fight through a tough moment, his physicality can have a real effect. But I mean, look, he's got an impressive record, 28-4, and four, even though he's underestimated often enough. And Saeed Nurmagomedov, I, I just feel like he's going to be able to dictate the range. Those kicks are going to be nasty. Um, he's got potential submission opportunities after hurting him on the feet with a kick or something along those lines. Um, I think they're, if they're in boxing range is where the danger comes in for, for Saeed Nurmagomedov, but I, I think he's going to make the right decisions here. Yeah, and uh, I just can't I keep forgetting that, that Douglas Silva Andrade beat Chito Vera like four years ago. Yeah, I mean, this is a different version of Tito Vera, though. He's really, it is. Yeah, He's really. This is a guy that was just, you know, recently removed from training in Ecuador. Where, I mean, to say it's it's low level MMA would be an understatement, especially back then. So he's definitely, I'm sure his his reputation is bringing up uh, awareness and training in, in 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 his home country. But Ecuador was really really bad when he was training there. So he wasn't far removed from there. He's a much more developed fighter now. Um, my next pick is going to be. The matchup between Chero Borrello and Armin Petrosian. I'm probably making a mistake picking this this early, but I'm really impressed by Chero yeah. Borrello. Um, he's looked really fucking good so far, man. The way that he dispatched uh, of his UFC debut opponent, it was a pick and fight. I believe I picked him because guys like a like a Leoto Machido uh, stand up style. He's got like really good grappling. Trained with Damian Maya for many many years. Right? Who the fuck is gonna grapple this guy in the MMA scene? After he's trained with Damian Maya and like survived under him and probably probably did okay considering the athletic disparity eventually right like that's been my experience is a lot of the black belts that I've trained with like over time I would I, I would to eventually take over. Charles Barrella is a lot more talented than I am and granted Damian Maya is a lot more talented than, than almost anybody when it comes to grappling. I just feel like he's really something special. I think he's going to be able to land some strikes against Armin, but that's where the danger is with Armin. He's a really good striker. He's going to get back up to his feet. You don't have great control, but Chow gets your back and, and locks in that figure four. I tend to think he should be able to control him and maybe score enough on the feet, use his footwork. He's got this brilliant check hook, and he angles off of it like a fucking high-level boxer. Uh, I, I like I like what he brings to his game, man. I, I'm going to pick this guy. I'm, I'm going with the prospect that I favor slightly more, but Armin Petrosian's got a high ceiling too, I think. Yeah, I I think I'm favoring Petrosian slightly. Good for you, man. He's already beaten Gregory Rodriguez. That was an impressive goddamn win. And by the way, that would have been a two-pointer, so if I would have let you get that, that could have been bad for me. Yeah, I don't know that I would have made that pick. I don't know, maybe. Um, 
I'm going to go with, this is a tricky fight because we don't know where she's at psychologically, either of them, frankly. This is a this is a battle of two fighters who have underwhelmed pretty consistently for the past two two plus years. Um, but I'm going to take Cynthia Cavillo over, uh, over Nina Nunes because, I mean, Cynthia Cavillo has just had better rounds more recently. You know, that last fight where she, where she kind of gave up on the stool after getting beat up by, um, Andre Lee. Tony Kelly. Yeah, Mrs. Tony Kelly. Uh, that was, you know, that was a little bit rough, but, but Nina Nunes, uh, just, yeah, has not, hasn't, hasn't won in a bit. She had that, that weird decision against Claudia Gadea that I remember thinking Claudia Gadea won. That was in 2018. She's lost to two good fighters since then, Tatiana Suarez and Mackenzie Dern. I just don't feel like feel like she's been um, particularly competitive, or and she doesn't seem when she's in there um, to feel real comfortable to know to know what she should to know what she should do next. I don't know something something happened, and she just looks um, frankly less less like an MMA fighter the last couple of years, or someone who wants to be an MMA fighter. Cynthia Cavillo is coming off of three consecutive losses. Uh, to Caitlin Kajagan, which we you know we all could have predicted, and then she got blitzed by Andrade, and then she got beat up by Lee. Um, I think it's probably going to be a close fight. I just expect to see a fiery fighter like Cynthia Cavillo uh, recapture her confidence against someone who's looked a little bit tentative um, the last couple of years. I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Nikolai. Um, I'm going to take Nina Nunes because I think she's got a more complete game. Yeah, she did lose her last fight, but like, look at the style matchup, right? Nina Nunes, who backs directly straight into the fence against Mackenzie Dern, is going to run you straight into the fence and go for a takedown. It was a bit of a struggle to get it, but she got it. And when she got it, it was going to be over shortly after. We all knew this. But Andrea Lee, the way she gave up on the stools, Cynthia Convijo did. Prior to that, Jessica Andrade, she got smoked by her in the first round, Nick. Prior to that, she lost to Caitlin Shukigan. Nick, she has got one win since, 2009, uh, since uh, February of 2019. Since a year before the pandemic, she's got one win, Nick. Um, she's in a bad place. She's she's not like she's by no means. And, and, I mean, Kavia uh-huh. hasn't Kavia hasn't won a fight since 2018. I'm talking about Kavia. Um, wait, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Nunes hasn't won a fight since 2018. Yeah, but that's because she took a break to give birth, and but she was largely like Tatiana Suarez. You're gonna hold that against her? Fucking Tatiana Suarez beat the current champ, like dominated her. Dude, I think she finished it, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, maybe it was just a dominant decision. Let me see quickly. Um, yeah, dude, she dominated the current champion and finished her. She finished Alexa Grasso. You knew Nunes went to the decision with her, dude, right after that. Um, and granted, she came back and got beat by Mackenzie Dern, but Cynthia Covington is not Mackenzie Dern, man. I, I think you know, Nunes, as long as she's in a good place, and her and Amanda Nunes are in a good training situation. I, I expect she should win this fight. I, I'd probably even recommend a bet. Uh, I, just, I can't rely on Cynthia Covington. She can't be in a good mental place, dude. She just gave up on the stool, and she knows it. That's not fucking. That's not. I'm going into a win territory to me. So I, I, I would. She's, I would bet Nina I, Nunes at plus one twenty-five. Oh, I have a feeling Kavia is going to going to come back. You, you might be right, and I kind of hope she does because I, I saw potential in her back in the day, man. She just uh, unfortunately has not been. I mean, she's been in a bad place for a while. It seems like uh, I think ever since she left Team Alpha Male, there's something that's been happening in her life. So my next pick is going to be in the matchup between. This is where everything gets tough for me. I think I'm going to take, I'm going to, it's tough. I'm going to take Kennedy and Zuchukwu to beat Carl Robertson. This is a pick Yeah, uh, that was my next pick. Yeah, this is a pick Um, Carl Robertson, he's got some skill, man. He's, he hits pretty hard. He's pretty dynamic. He's got some grappling skills. He's got some takedown skills. But 
does he, does he really have like a strategic course <laughs> to his fight strategy? He just wants to do everything with anybody, whether you're a grappler or a striker or what have you. He just wants to fucking do everything, right? And he's coming in like he's not been in a good place in a long time. Um, he, l- let me see quickly. I, I want to look into his, I thought I had it in front of me and then I clicked out of it naturally, Nick. Where is that guy? Oh, this is great, great. Oh, there it is. Carl Robertson, 9-5 and five in his own MMA three-fight losing streak. He got destroyed by Killer Rontree. He got submitted in the first round by Brendan Allen. He got submitted in the first round by Marvin Vittori, who doesn't finish a goddamn soul, Nikolai. And his win is over Roman Kopolov and Wellington Terman. Wellington Terman, a fight that could have gone Wellington Terman's way. I don't think he's a high-level fighter. And and I think that Kennedy is a at 205. Carl Robertson is moving up to 205 on top of everything else. Um, Kennedy's going to be way bigger. He's just going to put the pressure on him. He's going to put numbers on him. And he's going to get him out of there. Now, Enzichuku is coming off of a knockout loss, right? Or or uh, at least, I'm sorry, uh, in 2021, uh, in, in all the way in November, he was knocked out by Dao Jung um, with standing elbows. So, like, his chin could be compromised, and Carl Robertson has some power. It's possible, but he's not having a lot of knockouts. Uh, Nick Nogamirinianu, I thought that Enzichuku beat, and he got screwed in that decision. So, I like Enzichuku here. I think the odds also suggest a bet. I think this is, this is worth investing on at minus 135. Yeah, I'm not seeing odds that low, but I'm saying I guess I'm my, seeing my odds my might be a little bit older than yours. Then uh, I'm seeing minus 150 live odds. Minus 137 is the best you can get at 5D. Oh, I said 135. Um, that's close I, enough. Well, 137. Dude, that's only one place, though. Yeah, if you can get that bet, but yeah, you should probably check and make sure that your odds are up to date before you give advice to our listeners. You know what, Nick? Um, you know what, Nick? What? You read that review, right? Oh, I mean, don't listen to me. I'm just. <laughs> um, Go ahead, buddy. Speaking of which, my next uninformed pick is um, I'm going to go with the tough winner, uh, Ricky Tercios, um, over Faraz Zahabi's kid brother, Ayman Zahabi. Um, Ayman Zahabi's looked a little bit better recently, but I don't know. He's taking pictures in there. He, t- he, seems, he seems very tentative. Um, he seems like he waits kind of for the perfect strike. And my memory of, of Tercio is Scrappy puts the fight to you. And he's going to be like all over the place. I don't see Zahabi having time uh, to set the way that he likes to um, to land shots. So I think if Tercio can um, can kind of keep him guessing and 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 mix it up, that Zahabi's not the kind of guy who finds uh, who finds success in a scrap. What do you what do you think about my off the cuff analysis there? I think that Zahabi probably dominates early, and if he doesn't finish, he loses rounds two and three. Because that's really? how Tercios okay. tends to fight. He tends to look pretty bad early. He's not very athletic. He's not very physical, but he's relentless. He's got a lot of conditioning and he's tough. And if Eamon can't knock him out, then, you know, Tercios is going to take over after that. I, I would say put Tercios in a parlay. Um, I got him at minus 190. Maybe the odds have moved since then. And uh, put Eamon Zahabi in, uh, a bet on him by knockout, which is, you know, likely the way that he would win this fight. I, it's possible that he outworks him in a decision. I just don't know that he has the staying power. I don't know if it's mental or or lack of cardio or. or I don't. Puts I, don't think he'll, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll throw enough. Uh, I think you, he, you might be right, but I think part of the reason that he doesn't see Zahabi wins by KO plus four fifty or plus five hundred, depending on the book. Um, you put in, you know, let's say twenty bucks on that, and then you include uh, what's his name, Turd. Tertius, tertius, in a parlay, um, I feel like you're going to end up profiting one way or the other. A hedge, Nikolai. I'm, I'm all about the hedge once in a while. Sometimes it limits the profits, but it really reduces the odds of, uh, of a complete loss. So my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Jamie Malarkey and Michael Johnson. As much as I'm concerned about Jamie Malarkey's chin, 
after recent events, he's been known really for his durability more than anything else. He's, he's just tough. He's hard-nosed. He will never give yeah. up. He will keep on trying, even if you're knocking him around for an entire fight, if he's conscious. That man will not give in. The problem is that he recently got knocked out by Jalen Turner, who's a monster, an absolute monster, as we've come to find out even last weekend. He was a, he was a solid pick for me there as well. Um, I just feel like Michael Johnson has the power to hurt him. He's just not likely to. Alan Patrick was hurt. was starting to touch up Michael Johnson, who's now 36 years old, but has serious miles on him. I think that uh, uh, the odds are certainly in Jamie Blarkett's favor. Maybe not quite as far as minus 240, minus 250 range, but um, again, Michael Johnson by KO prop. Uh, probably not a bad idea, and then put Malarkey in a parlay. Maybe not necessarily, uh, maybe the same parlay as Tertios, because if one of them fucks up, uh, let them both, and then you might hopefully make some money off of uh, one or two of those prop bets on the other side. What you got, Nikolai? I'm going to go with Antonina Shevchenko, and I don't feel great about this. I think it's really a pick em. I don't think she deserves to be a minus 170. And like Courtney Casey at plus 150 is, is kind of looking good for the two points. And you, and you know the what? The good news is you can I'll, change that before the event. No, I'm gonna. No, it, I can't because it won't. I don't think it'll be plus. Uh, I see. Just a I see. Plus no, I'm gonna go for the two points. I'm gonna pick Courtney Casey. It's she's a, Shevchenko's good, but like, I mean, this doesn't. I can make an argument on either side of this. I think that how good how good does one's wrestling have to be to make Shevchenko uncomfortable? And I think the answer to that question is probably as good as Courtney Casey's. Uh, because, I mean, non-existent. I mean, <laughs> like one one level up from non-existent. I don't know. Maybe Jacar Close is teaching her a few moves. I don't. I mean, um, you might be right, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I, I think it's worth there. a shot at, for two points for the record. It was just if you look at her record, Jajua took her down twice. Aldridge four times. Robertson three times. Mara Romero Barella took her down once and submitted her. Um, yeah, as Calvillo didn't take her down at all, which is fucking weird. And apparently she outstruck Calvillo according to the to the stats here. But um, you know, I don't think much of Calvillo at least at this point. So, look, um, she yeah, beat, probably gonna, she beat, I'm probably going to change that. She thing. she has a win over Angie Hill in 2018. I mean, she's not a bad fighter. She wins one, she loses one, and the thing is, she's just coming off of a win. That's another piece of bad news. Which means she's about, yeah, about to but, Here's uh, the thing. I, I think that Shevchenko has a pretty good range game that Courtney Casey doesn't really have. If you let her have that range, she's going to take it. And Courtney Casey kind of has whatever fight you want to have. You take her down, she's going to work off her back for a round. She's not going to make an effort to get up to her feet. And Shevchenko, pro- like, I think whoever's on the top in this matchup is probably going to win. Courtney Casey might catch an armbar or something. Uh, but Shevchenko, I think, is way worse off her back. She's decent from the top position. And honestly, both Shevchenkos are, you know, pretty solid from top position. I would say, I'm sorry. Younger Shevchenko is solid. Antonina Shevchenko is decent. And, you know, there's no, it's, it's hard to rely on Courtney Casey to get takedowns. But again, without the two points being a factor, I'm, I'm taking Shevchenko, but I definitely think uh, Courtney Casey is worth the two points. Um, my next pick is going to be, I, I think I'm going to end up picking from the Vandera Sherman fight because I, I feel like Good luck. that's slightly less there. hard to pick than the other two. Um, I think that Chase Sherman is very athletic, but. I think it's a mental thing with him. He's just not mentally strong enough to keep going for 15 minutes, even if he's having success against a decent opponent that's willing to fight back. And Jared Vander is a guy who's willing to fight back. He had a close fight with Andre Arlovsky. Chase Sherman didn't, right? Vandera looked pretty good uh, in his one UFC win in which he landed like just kind of an ungodly number of strikes for a three-round, um, for a three-round UFC fight. Uh, Justin Toffa, right? He, he got that decision over. Man, the, 
the amount of strikes that he put on him throughout that fight, the, the fact that he still had energy to keep throwing that level of strikes throughout that three-round bout for a heavyweight is uncanny, man. That's like Cain Velasquez cardio. He doesn't have a whole lot else to his game, but he's got that, Nick. He landed 121 strikes on that man. Like, like when, when do you see heavyweights do that kind of shit? Even in three-rounder. Like, like, it doesn't sound like a lot for bantamweight, I guess. But, you know, I was pretty impressed by that. Let's see, let's see, he threw over 270 strikes in that fight, Nick. That is insane. Or about 270. That's insane, dude. Um, so I think for that reason, I'm going to take him. I think that he's going to be there for the long haul. And Chase Sherman is just mentally so weak that he, he's going to crumble. And Jared Vandera is not mentally weak, even though he's not very good. All right. This next one's super, super hard to pick. I don't, yeah, I don't want to pick this next Two one. Two fights left, Nick. Two fights, motherfucker. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, these are pickups. I'm going to go with uh, Tristan Gore after his. This is his first fight after his tough loss against Brian Battle. Um, I like Brian Battle. He, he hasn't fought since. He's fighting uh, in August against Takashi Sato. Yeah, I'm going to go with Gore over Cody Brundage. I mean, Brundage looked good in that last fight against Dalsha, uh whatever the fuck. <laughs> Luka Mumbai. Lungumbula. Um and he, you know he lost to Maximoff before that. I forgot that he was he fought yeah, he lost to William Knight. On contender series. series. Yeah. Um Gore is like pretty explosive and athletic. Um you know, like big dude. I think uh I don't know, I th- I, I wouldn't be surprised if he touched if he touched Brundage early. My prediction. Well, you mentioned earlier about Eamon Zahabi that he doesn't throw much. Gore doesn't throw much. He trains with the Lima brothers in Atlanta, and he has the same kind of thing as as the uh, more successful Lima brother, the former Bellator champion. What's his name? Um, see, now I, I can't remember the man's name, even though I, I like the guy a lot. Anyway, he doesn't throw much. He's got serious power. I don't know if it's because he's afraid to get tired or because he... He is just like in a very underdeveloped stage of his MMA game. Speaking of being underdeveloped, he's fucking three on one, Nick. It's hard for me to trust that. Even though he might have more talent on paper, I think I'm going to pick Brundage because he is going to like have the wrestling game and he's going to have the experience to like not be exhausted in the second and third round the way that I expect Trishan Gore might be. Um, when it comes to just purely on potential, like Trishan Gore all the way, but it's hard to rely on a guy that doesn't throw shit. Um, and I know that Brundage is kind of a jobber. It, it's a hard one, man. You're probably right. What, whatever, Nick. I, I, this is some low-level MMA shit. I'm not super concerned with this fight. Uh, but the next fight, Nick, is some extremely high-level MMA, MMA. Excuse me. It's a fight that I'm going to be extremely excited to fight. It's the first night, uh, first fight of the night, Nick. Ronnie Lawrence against Said Yokub Kahramonov. Uh, Nikolai Kahramonov happens to be from Uzbekistan, from Samarkand, which is not very far from Tashkent, where I was born. Facing off with Ronnie Lawrence, who's a, just an adept, just a solid wrestler, just relentless with offense at all times, no matter what happens ever. He's just always doing some shit. He's going to throw, he's going to go for 15 takedowns a fight if he needs to and not really look too tired. But he did just come off of a competitive fight with Mana Martinez. And it, I, I can see, see Saeed Yokuba ended up ending up on his back for, for, for a decent amount of time. I could also see him putting the kind of damage on Ronnie Lawrence every moment that, that he's not on his back and, and fishing for those deep guillotines that he has that he finished, you know, very late in his UFC debut. By the way, super short notice against Trevin Jones, who Trevin Jones is known as a guy who comes back and knocks you out out of nowhere after, you know, maybe not looking so good. He kind of roughed him up, man, overall. Like, he, he did spend, you know, a little bit of time with his back to the cage, but he roughed him up, dude, overall. 
And, uh, and he did it on a few days notice. He has a full training camp for this one. So I'm going to choose to believe in this guy. Um, he's from Team Oyama, which is like a pretty established team, right? Not like ATT high level, but pretty solid team with guys like Alex Perez, Cheeto Vera, Carlos Sparza is the champ, fights out of there. Um, so by the way, your, your boy Rob Emerson <laughs> uh, used to train out of that gym. So uh, I, I like I like the, uh, I'm going to take the, the Saeed Yacoub, taking a risk on him against Ronnie Lawrence, who I think is just so fucking good, dude. Like I'm a big fan of both of these guys. It's a serious prospect matchup that I'm genuinely, genuinely excited about. And I'd be I've happy got, to be wrong on this one because I think they're both phenomenal. It's a shame that either guy has to come away with a loss. Yeah, fun fun card. Man, I... I, but, I, I mean, yeah. and there were some fights that were supposed to be on the other. We were supposed to get Jamie Pickett against Abdul Rizak Al-Hassan. It's always interesting. We are supposed to get Cody Garber in against Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Yaha on this, on this card. And another interesting one, Sajara Eubanks against Marina Morose, which got rescheduled. We'll get that later. Yeah, so what you're saying is the card would have been a little bit better, and that's fair. Like, and and maybe if it's it had, good. I think it's good. No, I think it's. I good think it's a good even, card. I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. But you put, I mean, I would say yeah, the two Marino best Rose fights does. on this card are at the ver- the very first bout and the very last bout. I'm I'm like really into this uh, Lawrence Kahramanov matchup. Uh, obviously, yeah, there's, Gometa, there's some... Andra, uh, uh, Silva de Andrade is great. Borrello, Armand Petrosian, two serious prospects is great. There's, there's a lot. There's definitely some the middle of the. Ground. The middle of the card has a lot of moment of truth fights, which are good. They're like, listen, what are you doing here? Michael Johnson, Eamon Zahabi, and Mike, Antonio Shevchenko. Yeah, you know, know. Some, some tough some tough guys. Will, like, it's like, okay, now you're in the real thing. Yep. Can you like, mean? you know, Cynthia Cavillo and Nina Nunes have been kind of, like, not looked real good for a while. So it's a moment of truth fight. Um, yeah. It's going to be stuff. fun. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Nick. Uh, Again, like as long as it's better than some of those just hard fight nights that we've been getting for a while there, Nick. I am I am a happy man. Uh, on the What's way coming up, up. Yep. What's coming up next? We got UFC and oh, ABC yeah. three, Nikolai. Great main event. That's gonna be nonstop action between Oof. Brian Ortega and Yara Rodriguez. Oh my god, this is a look at this main card here. We got Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate, Shane Burgos, Charles Air Jordan. That's exciting. We've got yeah. Sumadarji against Matt Schnell at one twenty five. Uh, a very interesting, uh, you know, big boys at 170 of Jingling Li, Jing, Jingliang Li against uh, Sal, uh, Salikovs back in there after he hasn't fought what, it feel, what feels like two years. It's been, it's also, it was Trinaldo. Uh, no, it's about a year. It's about a year. Um, Michelle Waterson against Amanda Limos. That's a, that's a big fight. Uh, a big fight for Limos after, um, you know, getting choked out by Jessica Andrade so quickly. And then Brian Ortega, Yaya Rodriguez is uh, that's a that's a burner at five at five rounds. I can't wait to see what happens in that. Looking forward. And I'll be to I'll be pull I'll be pulling for T City the whole way. Well, you really I, I don't mind I don't mind Rodriguez. I know that Dana White decided to paint him as, as a bad guy, but I mean I, I don't I don't have much reason to hate on that guy. Ortega sounds like he's a bit of a douche himself. Really? Yeah, the, you know that. Uh, Korean Gold zombies Korean. manager beef that he had for a while, where he was just like really going at him after he got roughed up by Max Holloway. You know, he's he's had some uh, he's had some bad looks here and there. We also have you know a fighter who was making a splash and he hasn't been in there in a bit. Um, well, I guess seven eight months out is Ricky Simone. Uh, yeah, I'm into his out of four fight win streak. That's but another guy that can throw like sixteen takedowns per Gitano fight. Perello, Brian Gallagher, Rafael Sunsau. Put them all, uh, you know. Well, you know, two finishes, two decisions. 
but he's in there against Jack Shore. That's a great fight. That is like a, that's that is a the fight of that's a card. prospect. That is that is a let's see, you know, let's see who the prospect is the the young Welshman against uh, you know Ricky Simone who bounced back from that that weird loss to Uriah Faber, um, and has done pretty well for himself. So there's some there's some fun. Some fun fights on this card, up and down. Bill Algio back on it against Gilbert Burns' brother. I'm into uh, that. Into all of that stuff, Nick. All of that looks great. What y'all know about Dwight Grant against Dust against Dustin Stoll? Stop it! Plus. Stop it! Stop it! We got Jessica Penny on the card. Stop it! Okay. You you had me a Jack Shore, Ricky Simone. Shouldn't have gone we past got that. Je- Jessica Penny on Charles the card. Charles O'Dean. Uh, Shane Burgos really is going to be a phenomenal fight. I'm glad that I guess Lauren Murphy and Misha Tate got revived, and we'll see where each of these girls is in their careers. Uh, Ortega Rodriguez is going to be a barn burner. Amanda Lemos, Michelle Waterson is a great fight. Definitely a lot to look forward to. Nikolai, that'll do it. We are done. We are out. I just, did I just do the Ariel Hawani? You know, I haven't listened to his show in like, I don't know, multiple years, and recently just saw him on the street. He was just like walking by oh, and drinking he? a milkshake. That's or a, holy cow, you guys can fit on the same street with those noses. Nikolai, you guys didn't. You guys didn't get into like, didn't become like a schnoz, Nick, schnoz Nick, war. Nick, if you didn't think that I was gonna pull the anti-Semitism card as soon as you said that, I, oh, I don't stop know. it! <laughs> uh, I, I am joking, but Nikolai, uh, I wish you all the best in your future endeavors as we uh, log yeah. off of this episode, so that I can spend quality time on my pillow. Doing what? Your, you know what? Sleep, uh, sleeping on it. What you are? You are. You've lived the life, my friend. Have I? I mean, Listen, somebody Justin says they're going to be on their pillow, and you're thinking, like, it's a pillow. Just an idiot. You sleep Just on your idiot. pillow. And I'm going to sign. I'm going to sign out as an idiot. Nick, you should. And, and again, more reviews, folks. We want to hear because we we definitely have a bunch of people that think that think I'm the fool here, and that you are. You uh, are bad I don't, no, I don't, I don't think so. You're, I mean, I'm smarter about a lot of things. See? You definitely, you're more prepared. Oh, um, we just don't do we don't do podcasts and any of the things that I know more than you about. Oh, well, that's the difference between me and you, Nick. Uh, I only speak about my expertise, motherfucker. I said it, and we're still recording, and I said it. There's no going back. This has to make it up to the episode. This is how the episode will end. And oh, the music plays, and yeah. it gets louder, and yeah. they can barely yep. hear us at this point. Um, and we're counting it down. Three, <laughs> two, one.